IndeedPod, a podcast about indie tabletop role-playing games where I interview creators about their games and inspirations and about the theory, process and practice of game design. My name is Mark Shepard, your host today and always, and your friendly local indie enthusiast. September is, as always, International Podcast Month, and here at Yes Indeed Pod, we like to celebrate with interviews with TTRPG podcasters. Today is no exception, we're talking to Eco of the Lost Bay podcast, a series of interviews and other recordings of indie TTRBG zine creators. As well as the podcast, we talk about its namesake, The Lost Bay, a 90s suburban horror TTRBG. This was a wonderful chat, so I'm stoked to finally share it with you. And now that's out of my head and into yours, let's talk indie. So, today we're talking to Eco from the Lost Bay. Hi there, Eco, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be on your show. Thanks for Absolutely, having me. Absolutely, Eco. I've been following your show for a while. I really, really enjoy the Lost Bay. Thank you. And also, you have one of the like nicest, most chilled out spaces on the internet, oh. along with Alex Reinhardt's The Heartland. I think yours is really high up there, the places that I just want to kind of hang out and chill and not be to me so <laughs> that's really nice thanks for saying that there's cool people hanging on the server so eco would you like to introduce yourself and let us know what you do in indie tabletop role-playing games i'm eco the pronouns are you i use are he him and uh i'm a, an indie tabletop uh, rpg designer i i guess and uh and i'm also an indie podcast producer i've been running uh, a show on and with other uh, indie tabletop designers yeah now i'm running a kickstarter i mean now now as of now when we're recording but you're gonna write this second yes it's true podcast much later (laughs) because it's going to go out after the the kickstarter is finished so you don't need to do all of the normal oh we know my game is super cool you need to go and you need to go and back it right now because we can we can be more analytical here (laughs) okay so i'm running um a kickstarter for a zine and a set of gaming accessories, which make like a system neutral fantasy setting. There's several collaborators on the project, but the main one is Aveline Moreau, the French Canadian artist who's illustrating the book. And, um, it's called Sky Realms. It's about floating island and strange, cute and dangerous creatures. And it's an RPG book and, it, but also a coloring book. All the art and the map, the monsters, everything have been chosen or designed to be colored in. That's very cool. I mean, there's there's a few of these that I've seen come out recently. Michael Lowe. Oh, yeah. uh, Of Look of Legends made a really cool little um, coloring book RPG for kids. And I've seen a few others as well. I just think that's so cute. And also, like, what a nice way to make a legacy style game. I'm, I'm not a massive fan of that term for what role-playing games do with legacy stuff but i think it's really nice and fun for adults and kids alike (laughs) yeah exactly how are you finding the kickstarter process because for me 
I found it really stressful. It is. So that's the second Kickstarter I'm running. The first yeah. one was a shorter, uh, much shorter. It was like maybe 16 or 70 days. And I'm finding this longer Kickstarter, uh, which is one month long, easier. Yeah, okay. It's like the level of stress is diluted over a month. So mm, it's easier mm. for me. It's also more, stre- more stressful because like the campaign goal is, is much higher. It, I mean, for me, it's just huge because uh-huh. it's a bigger project. There's a few people working on it. So the, like the campaign goal is a bit, a bit higher. I, I did a two months long pre-launch thing and then the campaign is running for one month. And yes, yeah, somehow it's less stressful. You know, you can just lay back for a couple of days and say, okay, I'm not going to do watch what's happening for a few days. Yeah. There's plenty of time left still. So recently our co-op ran a campaign and it, you know, we were so close oh, yeah. to not, not funding. And that was, that was really stressful. <laughs> the fact that we funded in the last 48 hours, I think was, I don't know. It, it didn't do good things for my feelings, you know. But regarding that specific campaign you talked about, what I've noticed is that at some point, like the community by, and by the community, I mean other creators just stepped in like in the last week or maybe in the last few days to support the, the your, that project and talk the about last, it. It was the last 72 hours and we just yeah. suddenly went from not, definitely not going to fund to, oh, actually we've made this with a little bit of change. And that was you know, really, really heartwarming to see that that happened. And I, yeah, I had been a little bit salty about it, but then it was just really nice to to kind of see it. But like, how's your funding going? Are you are you there yet? Have you reached your goal? <clears throat> no, we haven't yet. We are okay. Uh, we're like eighty five percent. That's pretty funded. close. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm kind of guessing. I'm new in the scene. I've been like, I give a lot of my time to to the hobby, or I don't know how to call it, but it's been only one year, not tabletop RPGs, but like more the Mm. indie side of it. And I don't know very well Kickstarter, but I feel that probably like system agnostic zines are harder to fund unless you already have like a structured or big audience or following or or support network i think it's harder because you don't have yeah. like the community of fans or that specific game you made the zine for there's a lot to be said for that yeah I mean, I quite often use Chris Bissett as an example here because mm-hmm. Chris's work is, it is kind of troikery or it is kind of Merkborgy. It is kind of sometimes fifth edition-y, but it's not written with a particular system in mind. Yeah. And so Chris is kind of just going off the reputation of Loot the Room, which is fantastic, but it's something that newer creators can't necessarily rely on. So yeah, when you're talking about creating something that's sort of a bit niche, a bit weird, a bit system agnostic, that isn't necessarily going to appeal to everybody, then I understand where you're coming from. And I, you know, I think you will definitely get the funding that you want, but I really appreciate that it's definitely a slog in these longer campaigns. Yeah. So we've talked about the Sky Realms. Now let's talk about The Lost Bay, your podcast. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to make that because you are newer to the scene and you've hit a really cool moment. You know, you've spoken to loads of cool indie zine designers and I feel like 
what you're aiming at is about zines. It's not about big, glossy hardback books. It's not about stuff that you'd feel comfortable putting on your coffee table. It's about freaky little games. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm able 100% to remember how the thing happened. But basically, I was in lockdown. I normally live in, in Paris, France. But I was in lockdown in Rome, in Italy, with my business partner and best friend. And we moved to Italy because it was going... They're Italian. They have a, a flat here and... That was going to be an easier way to go through lockdown. Yeah, yeah. So we moved here and I was, I don't know, spending so much time watching YouTube videos of actual plays, stuff like that. And they just told me, listen, you've got time. Why don't you try and make something, you know, RPG related? Yeah. And so... Basically, I don't know. I, I opened a blog. I didn't know anybody at all. I, I wrote a blog post. And there's this guy called Yohai Gal. Uh-huh, who yeah, wrote me yeah. a message and tells me, why don't you hop in my server? His Discord server, NSR. So I started talking with him and pretty quickly... I asked him if it would be okay just to, to do a podcast episode. And that was the first time I, I, uh, I actually did that. Oh, so, incredible. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. I just did the interview with Yochai and then Yochai talked to me about Leo Hunt's work, Vaults of Varn. That sounded so cool. So I wanted to know more and I, I did an episode with Leo Hunt and basically... That was just me discovering what the indie scene is and talking with and giving myself like, I don't know, the opportunity to talk with these extremely talented and creative and generous people about yeah, their work and absolutely. their craft. So so basically it was a way to dis- to know better the scene and, yeah. and then it became something else. I mean, you've done so many cool interviews with really cool people. The one that inspired me the most in a way was sort of your, your interview with Sean K. Smith, giving away zines in free libraries and giving away zines to, uh, was that Sean Smith? <laughs> I'm sorry if it wasn't going to places where you can give stuff away to people who have no connection to you, have no connection to the scene apart from wanting something different. I think that's so cool. And it it just makes me think of like how we can make our games more accessible to everybody. Do you know what I mean? It goes beyond doing things for what we refer to as the community, which is basically like a marketing space. You're actually doing something for a community. <laughs> I love that. That was a, a different, yeah, that was like a, 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 an episode that was m- more community oriented, as, as you're, as you're saying. And, um, yeah, it wasn't an interview. There were three, uh, guests, uh, in the episode. There were Yochai Gal, Sean Patrick Kane, and Caverns of Heresy. Sean Patrick Kane, sorry, it wasn't Sean K. Smith. <laughs> and I asked them if they would like to do, like, field recordings uh, with their their phone of themselves printing and distributing copies of, of uh, free RPG zines, basically. Yeah. That was super interesting because uh, we just set up like a framework, a recording framework, but they did everything, all the recording alone. So I just received the audio files and then did some editing. And um, I, I'm sort of sorry then that, you know, <laughs> I said that my favorite episode is, is the is the episode that you weren't really that involved with. <laughs> you know? There was a huge editing work. I mean, I really loved that. What I mean, it was it was really interesting for me to give, you know, more space instead of me like asking questions. Yeah, it was more or like creating a space and giving more space to other creators to speak about what they do in the scene. And I'm working on more episodes like that. Yeah. More on some community subjects. I'm working on an episode on French-speaking yeah. RPGs, another on Japanese RPGs, 
another on RPGs and music. So, but they're longer episodes to produce because they're a little bit more complex. So I think this is where the Lost Bay podcast is going in the future. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll stop slowly doing interviews and start doing more i'd like to do more of these kind of episodes you know it's so interesting hearing like the different things and the different people that you have been talking to because they're people that i haven't necessarily interacted with or heard of before oh yeah or people whose games i don't know a lot about or whose works i don't know a lot about like uh you did an interview with paolo of the lost pages oh yeah about the book of Gaub and holy smokes that was an amazing interview I mean (laughs) it sounded really intense you had content warnings on this interview (laughs) it's like this is cool this is really cool it's something that I was really into kudos to you really for putting yourself out there and finding really interesting people to talk to yeah the interview with Paolo was was kind of I was kind of surprising their book is amazing it's a, a system agnostic book about magic and spells and dark magic and dark spells mm. and we were both surprised at the end of the interview of the interview about like the things we touched so for me it's, it's, it's the same when I, I listen to your podcast I discover creators and that's the thing about like the indie scene it's small it's rather small right but at the same time there are there are a lot of like I don't, I don't know sub communities subspaces and mm. it's small but I keep discovering people and that's that's great. I sort of think of it sometimes like a kind of a pool table and there's lots of little pockets with people in. Yeah. And sometimes you go from one pocket to another and you kind of tap into this different space where there's all these different I don't know snooker balls just sitting there yeah, going, "Hey, exactly. hey, how are you doing? What games do you make?" You know, <laughs> tell me about your cool zines and that sort of thing. And Twitter isn't necessarily the best space through which to traverse these pockets it's it's kind of the best worst tool that we've got <laughs> yeah i agree i i am totally aware about uh, like uh, the pitfalls of, of that platform and also mm. the fact that there mm. are some person yeah, i don't know maybe a bit abusive or toxic like lurking around sure, but it yeah. gave me like the opportunity to get in touch with so many folks and then yeah i don't know then we started talking and speaking in other ways you know like chatting on discord etc but for me it was a pretty quick and easy way to discover ttrpg creators each of these little pockets if you like has got its own mouthpiece Mm -hmm. yes indeed pod is is kind of a mouthpiece for a particular weird corner of the internet that i'm involved with you know you've got yokai gals server then the lost bay coming out of there and obviously now your own server and then it's like the brain trust and there's the brain trust podcast itself but also the have you played this network and uh draw your dice that come out of that and you know all these really interesting places and the the people who come out of it talking about their cool games their cool zines and I'm really fascinated by that I mean I love podcasts anyway I listen to a lot of them but yeah, finding too, a new yeah. little podcast that talks to people from a part of the scenes or whatever we call this space it's, it's fascinating you know it's, it's really cool yeah it is yeah thank you for opening up <laughs> another corner of the internet to me another another snooker pocket you were saying at the end of your intro to what the lost bay is there that it's kind of morphed into something else do you want to tell us what that is yeah uh you mean uh because i'm using the same name for <laughs> the same name like the lost bay for so many things right now so it's what i thought you... you were meaning now i may realize that you mean that you're you're turning the podcast into something different but <laughs> yeah but i mean it's like very quickly my like quote-unquote day job mm. has suffered a lot from like the pandemic and post-pandemic mutation and crisis and and things like that. So somehow a little bit organically and a, 
end, but I've also I've looked for that. At some point, I wanted that. Like TTRPG started taking more more space, like in my life, um, in my daily life, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm spending a lot of time on it, a lot of nights on it, and so yeah, like the podcast or zine projects, I've started to to become more structured, and I've started putting more uh, I don't know of myself in them. So yeah, so yeah, so the Lost Bay is becoming something else. The podcast is evolving. I have several interviews I need, still need to finish editing and and release, but I'll sort of transition to that different format. Like the episode you spoke about, that was about community copies. Uh, I'm working on several episodes that are more focused on community not issues but community aspects or sub communities uh-huh. aspects let's see yeah, yeah. what these folks are doing in that specific i don't know region community whatever yeah and i've started like working on the lost bay rpg which is a game tell us about the lost bay rpg then because i call it a 90s suburban horror rpg that little sentence keeps evolving like from month to month, but I've settled on 90s horror suburban RPG. Mm-hmm. So basically I've run a lot of games uh, prior to the pandemic in a setting uh, that was like a suburban place, but very much inspired by the place where I grew up, which was a very small uh, village in the island of Corsica. Mm-hmm. In the Mediterranean Sea, the French island. Yeah. It was a small village, but it was sort of a suburb too. It was a strange place. So (laughs) when I was 21, all of a sudden, like really all of a sudden, I left that place. Like uh, basically what happened is one day my father told me we were going to leave the next day that I couldn't tell anybody, that I couldn't ask why, and that, that I could never come back. So oh wow, it was pretty intense because I, I mean, I had my whole life there that word kind of dis- disappeared for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, from one day to the other. I forgot about it first for a while. I sort of experienced, I had in my own way, yeah, memory loss. And, but, but it, I don't know, it started growing in my mind and uh, it became, I don't know, a place of where fiction and memories and a lot of things started mixing uh, together. So it's, so I started like running game campaign for, I, I don't know, probably I ran 40 games in a setting inspired by that place mm. in France. And uh, when I was playing with, with French players, I told them that was inspired by a place in Corsica. And, uh, and even people who don't know that island had an idea of it. But little by little, I, I started like stripping it from the regional elements and started to add layers of abstraction, you know? Yeah. And uh, trying to make it a place that could be, that could sound familiar also. That's right, people, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who didn't share my experience or my own like regional culture. That has been like the work I've been doing, that I've been doing for one year and a half now, mm. trying to like add layers of abstractions on this very personal setting based on a very autobiographical experience. And that has become the Lost Bay, which is uh, 
a weird place where teenagers or young adults confront like pure evil things uh, which are basically fucked up adults and uh, it's very much about toxic masculinity so I mean mm. that's not super explicit in the game but that's like in the background of of, yeah. of, of the framework so yeah. I've been playtesting it uh, a lot with members of the community who gave me uh, very important feedback and I've been rewriting it mm. and I'm aiming at like a release of like a very lightweight simplified version of the rules and quote-unquote the setting the implied setting uh this autumn fantastic when you first said 90s suburban horror i I was like that's interesting what makes it 90s what makes it suburban and then you kind of went into what that's all about and how it's i don't want to project onto you but it sounds like you know you're kind of writing it as a sort of maybe a way of dealing with this memory and kind of, I don't want to say that it's a trauma because that's... Oh, yeah, no, you can say that. It, it is, it is totally... Uh, but, you know, a, yeah, to is, be yeah. taken away from the place that you grew up and basically was the only place you'd ever known and to be taken somewhere else and to not have that explained to you why, that's scary and terrifying. And I understand why you want to make a horror game to process that, right? Does that make sense? Or is that, yeah, is that rude? I, <laughs> I don't know. No, 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 that's not rude at all. That's absolutely, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, and, and I'm totally okay with uh, talking about it. It's not going to be explicit for the people who are going to read the book, you know? Uh-huh. But this is like the creation process that's behind that game. And like the horrifying part of it is is not only about that singular experience, but I grew up in a place which is, I don't know, very much like a David Lynch film. It's really, (laughs) really, really weird place with really weird people who I was very close to, you know, because there Mm. were just like the neighbors or the people I've met. But I have got a bunch of anecdotes which are (laughs) pretty scary, actually. So this is very... You've alluded to some of these things before um, on your own podcast, but also just on your server. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's, that's messed up. Um, But also really interesting, like completely fascinating. I can see like (laughs) there's so much fodder for horror here. And it's also really interesting that you've specified that as 90s horror. I guess it's partly because this is when you grew up, like you grew up in the 90s like me. But also that really brings to mind a very specific aesthetic to me, which is videotapes and the smell of old video stores, which is... (laughs) Yeah. It's very much a, oh, I can see what media you want to evoke the feeling of but also it's its own little weird thing and yeah you're right suburbia is fucking weird yeah i agree yeah so it's yeah 90s uh, yeah it's all that what you said basically it's like that unwanted departure happened in the 90s so like that's like the autobiographical part of it but also there's dimension of nostalgia for me but not only it's Mm -hmm. not only that i mean it's um I think it's a very interesting moment because, you know, it was like a, th- a threshold. Th- there was technology in our lives. It was a very, we were already modern, but at the same time, there was some kind of, uh, I don't know, ingenuity about a lot of things and also about technology. And so it was like a moment in between, or at least that's the memory of it. Mm. And that's how I imagine it. You know, it's pre-internet. There's mm. the first cell phones in 94. There's yeah. VHS and the first CD-ROM, CD, audio CDs. And so yeah. it's yeah. already like the somehow something 
similar to the world we are experiencing right now, but at the same time, it's not. Uh, and it's a moment in time where there's still a lot of things around you that are unknown, which you can't Google, you know? So My partner and I were talking about exactly this last night because we yeah. both grew up in the 90s. We both thought and talked about how in the late 90s, you were sort of on the, in this transition between the pre-internet era. We as a generation kind of went most of our upbringing without having access to all this information and it makes me feel like we're we're a kind of a sort of liminal generation <laughs> you know yeah. we're between two states like the people who were born after us like my nieces particularly and my kids they all know the internet is this amazing resource where you can get loads of information from and you, you know that that information will exist somewhere before then you couldn't do that. You had to go out to a video store. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. You had to go to the That's library. It. You had to look things up in a book. I mean, we still do, but like, it's not the same. And so your skill set is weird. <laughs> right yeah. and i know that's not entirely what you're talking about and i know you're also talking about how technology sort of shifted and went you know changed gear if you like in the 90s but it's so interesting that 90s kind of feels like a kind of in-between stage suburbia feels yeah. like an in-between stage exactly. and horror is often very much yeah. about kind of in-between stage between life and death or between fear and not fear and fear and panic that's, and that's totally what, what the game is about, yeah, and also uh, the kind of suburbia that I've experience, experienced and that I'm trying to, like, evoke in, in the game is a suburbia where nature is mixing with with the city, you know? It's like, yeah. like a fringe, a frontier, the, the place where the suburbia is pushing against the nature that has not already been built. It's a place in between where there's a lot of concrete and everything is built up very quickly. But at the same time, there's, I don't know, wild animals. I have or, this kind of obsession or, with this thing that I heard years and years ago, which is a book by the poet uh, Michael Simmons Roberts. And it's mm -hmm. a book called Edgelands. And it's about these weird spaces that get forgotten about at the edges of cities, at the edges of suburbia, like abandoned business parks or you know long forgotten treatment works and things like that oh, yeah. where you have sort of modern industrial heritage like big concrete parking lots and between them is growing gorse bushes and wild buddleia and rhododendron and all exactly. kinds of weird herbs and animals live there and they're such important habitats and they're amazing spaces and nobody visits them and nobody goes there because there's nothing for humans there. It's so fascinating. I'm, that's a beautiful uh, title. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, to try and find it. And that's exactly the spot I'm trying to hit with uh, yeah. The Lost Bay. So like the characters are 90s, like young, young adults or teens and they, they might do skateboard or... I don't know, they're punks or whatever. I don't know, there's there's a lot of cl the classical tropes of, of the 90s. But at the same time, there's mm. there's something more ancient here, which is a remnant of the years before the suburbia came. So there's magic. Yeah. Uh, there's saints like, who are living amongst people. There's strange animals, strange beings, uh, and strange violence, which is, <laughs> I don't know, which, an huh, which is an right, ancient yeah. violence, but w but not like a cosmic violence, whatever. It's the violence of people and nature. This and is the Wicker Man. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> That's so cool. Everything that you've told me there is really up my street. <laughs> yeah. 
I think most of my listeners will know I'm not a massive fan of horror games, but when I hear about one that sounds really, really cool, I'm very, very into it. <laughs> this sounds awesome. So I'd love to run a yeah. playtest for you, you know, if you have time. I, or... I would love that sometime. That would be amazing. Thank you. Honestly, check out this Edgelands book. I heard it on the radio and I heard the two poets talking about it and they had such nice, soft voices. And then they were talking about these like very hard landscape things. It's exactly what you're talking about, like the, the edge of suburbs. Very weird. I was raised in a suburb as well. And like there oh, are really? spaces at the edge of it, which is like, what is this? <laughs> what yeah. is this space? What was it? Why is it Why is it like this now? You know, you were talking about um, September for that or was it just the autumn? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I keep postponing. So uh, what's going to happen is uh, I'm going to release like what's called now the last Bay first look or maybe... A first version, free, lightweight. I'm going to release it for free in PDF. And there's plans for doing like a limited edition of this like smaller zine with the rule set and some, some elements to, to kind of get a hold on the setting, this peculiar setting with horror, suburban, uh, archaic elements or mixed like one, a couple, maybe one or two starter adventures and tools to build your Wonderful. own suburb, your own horror. So that's the plan because I, I need like to stop writing at some point and just <laughs> publish the yeah. scene. The thing is, I've been playing that for, I don't know, four years, five years now. And there's like, I even wrote fiction, you know, like in that, in French. Mm -hmm. that nobody has ever read, but I've wrote it. So I've got like a lot of material. So what I'd like to do is first release that lighter zine whenever it's ready. Like hopefully in September, maybe in October, we'll see. And a little later, release a bigger book with more meat, I would say, more gaming material. And what I'm doing is I've already asked a bunch of very cool folks who work in the zine to come on the big book. I'm calling it the big book on this project. You know, earlier I spoke about trying to add layers of abstraction on this project, which has a very personal and autobiographical heart. And one yeah. of the ways I want, I want to do that is to give pieces of it to people who are very different from me and maybe who live in very different places and even continents and ask them, just rewrite it. Just throw away whatever you yeah. want to throw away. Oh, you write cool. the scents, you write the killers, you write the monsters, you write the ghosts, yeah. you write the suburban places. That's so cool. So that's the plan. I, I feel like suburbs in the United States, for example, must feel very different to suburbs in England, must feel very different to suburbs in France. Or in Malaysia, and that's a hint. <laughs> that's a cool hint, thank you. <laughs> I have some cool people in mind. To suburbs in South America, you know, I've, I've yeah. the suburbs there feel really different as well to everywhere that else that I've been. Really cool. And like, obviously, ghosts should be different everywhere. Ghosts exactly. geography. Ah, super cool. Yes, please. I would like very much for this to exist. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a lot of fun. I'm putting a lot of effort in it too. And I can picture myself working on it for a long time. Of course, I have other like small TTRPG things I want to do in the meantime. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, nobody has enough time to do everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, awesome. So I think by the time this episode comes out, you will be very close to Probably, doing something. Yes. Yeah, I hope so. September, October. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Eco, would you like to tell us where we can find you on the internet? So yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Lost Bay. That's my handle. 
I've got a website that's the lostspacestudio.com. It's uh-huh. kind of like where I put, uh, I centralize everything and there's links to my everything, like to the podcast, to my Discord server, which is a really cool community where a lot of like indie creators and just people who, who like indie TTRPGs hang out and talk. And I try to like maybe organize community-oriented uh, projects uh, in the We in didn't the even get space. to talk about the artifacts of Horror Jam. That is a crime. Oh, well, That's you know. That's a crime. <laughs> yes, it is. So, yeah, thelostbaystudio.com. And, yeah, on Twitter, uh, at the Lost Bay or on the web at thelostbaystudio.com. And there's, like, links to all the places w- where folks can find me, basically. Fantastic. Well, that's really cool. I do honestly recommend your discord server because it's a very cool space where lots of cool people hang out and it's super chill as well um yeah it's chill yeah myself excluded so yeah wonderful well thank you so much for taking us through all of that and so thanks a lot for having me on, absolutely uh, on your no show problem. uh it's a privilege Delightful. i really i really love it and uh yeah you have a fantastic show and i'm uh, so, so grateful we did we did, oh, we did that that's very touching thank you um, I'm going to say good luck with the rest of your Kickstarter, even though it will have finished months ago by the time this goes out. But yeah. also, good Thank luck with, with the publication of The Lost Bay and with all of those cool guests who I just know you're going to tell me very soon who all of those are. <laughs> yeah. W- once we've stopped recording, I'll tell you names. Ah, cool. <laughs> I get a sneak peek, suckers. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Eco for the interview. As always, you can find all of the links in the episode description. Next time, we're talking to an indie TTRPG podcaster, game designer, streamer, and video creator, the inimitable Jeremy Gage of the Have You Played This Network. Jeremy is a wonderful person, and this was one of the most interesting and enlightening chats we've had about TTRPG podcasting since the podcast began, so tune in next time to find out more. This week's episode has been kindly sponsored by Elijah Mills. Campfire is a GMless collaborative storytelling game about unravelling supernatural mysteries. With incredibly light rules fitting on just about one page, you'll be investigating your first mystery in just a few minutes. You'll take on the roles of investigators out to get to the bottom of what goes bump in the night. Beckon to help in various scenarios called mysteries, you'll find clues by investigating locals and locations until you've gathered enough evidence to pinpoint the culprit behind whatever strange happenings have occurred. Using a set of simple tables, Every playthrough is different. Experience different twists, encounters and clues each time you play a mystery. Depending on the clues you find, the culprit is different every time as well. Campfire is geared towards short sessions and one-shots, but you can also use the same characters across multiple mysteries to form an episodic campaign. Get Campfire for free today at campfiremysteries.com This week, I'd like to thank some of my incredible Patreon supporters. Hesan Yongdi, Sam Armstrong, Beyond Cataclysm Games, Georgie Bats, Sam Lee, Jack Blair, and Peter Ike. Thank you all so, so much. We couldn't do what we do without you. And many apologies to Sam, because I've been pronouncing her name wrong for, let's say, about six months. And you, yes, you can get a regular shout-out and joyful thanks too if you go to patreon.com slash yesindeedpod and sign up today. 
you'll get access to our Discord server where we can hang out and chat, and even join monthly editing streams and the Yes Indeed Pod book club. Most of the money will go directly to creators rather than to me, so you'll be investing directly in the indie scene, helping to make it a healthy and inclusive place for years to come. And if you can't commit regularly, you can always help out by rating and reviewing the show wherever you find your podcasts, or of course by donating through the Ko-Fi page at ko-fi.com slash yesindeedpod. Of course, you can always reach out to me through Twitter at yesindeedpod. That's Y-E-S-I-N-D-I-E-D-P-O-D. I'd love dearly to hear from you. Lastly, music credits. All music is taken from Be Quiet by Yatsa from Free Music Archive and released under Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 International License. Thanks, Yatsa. And until next time, remember, does indie need you? Yes, indeed.